Okay, welcome to our bonus episode for episode nine. Episode nine. Part, part one. Part one of is it. It's hard because it's like, it's not episode nine, part one, because it, it, we don't. Well, it is. Well, yeah, it's part one of Isabel and Maribel. Right. But, but we don't do episode nine, part two. We do episode 10. Oh. Then yeah. I need, oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was going to be episode nine, part. Because like Gary yeah, Triano. It's like pretty much we're talking about two different things, even though they're connected. Right. Okay, fine. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah, more sense. Because they're separate episodes. I don't know. Maybe there's a better way to do it, but this is how we're doing it. I don't care. I don't think people care either. <laughs> So this is Look Up List, Episode 9. There you go. Part 1 of Isabel and Maribel. And it's Friday night. We've had, well, I've had a few drinks. I'll speak for myself. I've had apple juice and (laughs) Sour Patch Kids. (laughs) There you go. So you had some really good uh, Look Up List things. And I found a few of them. A few of them I didn't. And then I also found some additional things that you didn't even have. So let's, let's hear them. Let's get into it. Okay. Um, you had said April 20th, 2012, that's when Isabel was taken. Sergio laid down on the couch to watch a Diamondbacks game. And you had written down who were they playing. And they were playing the Atlanta Braves. And was it here, not here, but here in Arizona, Phoenix, at the, I was going to say the Diamondback Stadium, but that's wrong. Was it here in Phoenix, do you know? Or was it in Atlanta? Well, I so I don't know where I don't know if it was in uh, Arizona or Georgia, but the Braves won. I do knew that. I do. I do knew that. I do know that. The Atlanta Braves. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves. My favorite Atlanta Braves story. And Tell I don't, me. I don't, I don't know any. So I don't either. I only know this one. But you don't. You do know this one as well. Um, is the story? It's the video that I have that I've played for you multiple times when Joe was calling a game at in Atlanta at a Braves game with um, another announcer who's like well-loved. I can't remember his name right now. And they're leaving the stadium. And Joe was like, I put on a hat and I kind of mm. like walk through the stadium real quickly to not like get involved with anyone. And he's like, I'm walking through the crowd and all of a sudden people are, are like chanting because they see his, his announcing partner. And I can't fucking remember his name right now um like mm, it's something good and they're like scream like chanting his name and then out of nowhere somebody sees joe and recognizes him and says fuck joe buck and then everyone starts chanting fuck joe buck and he's like i'm walking through the crowd like i just gotta get out of here i just gotta get out of here prefer i don't know who they were playing that night but did he was he really going for Atlanta Braves or was he putting that on maybe just to kind of cover his little face so people wouldn't that's because a lot of people don't like Joe Buck of course like any public figure I'm not saying anything about Joe Buck but like any public figure there are people that well they don't like him because they think well he's slanted or something Yeah, they think that he's he's going against their team which Look, I'm not a huge sports person, so I never really knew anything about this, and I didn't understand it. But now, since getting to know him personally, he's, first of all, 
He doesn't give a shit whose team wins. He's there to do a job. Right, this is his career. The game. Right. And he does a great job of it. He doesn't he's not more for your team or this team, the home team, he gets the away paid team. Either way, as long as he does a good job. Right. He's a great announcer. He yep. loves sports in general and he's calling the game. He's does not he is not Well, and even if biased. he does even if he is inside, he doesn't allow it exactly like everyone's biased of course even i might be and i don't give a shit about sports 100 percent. i'm sure that there are teams that he feels more fondly about than others but he doesn't let it out he would never let it out his job is to be neutral neutral and he's great at doing that but people are determined to think oh if my team lost then it's because joe buck called against this sure whatever and truthfully i mean you've met him Mm. Very briefly. Yes. But like at this point, I've known him for years, he is the most, just the kindest man in the world. So for anybody who listens, who likes sports and thinks that he's calling against your team, I guarantee you he's not. And also he's one of the most genuinely nice people I've ever known in my whole life. Of course, I don't know him as well as I like know a bunch of other people. But but <laughs> over the years, what I know of him, he is a generous, kind person totally go joe buck yes love you joe buck okay so the next thing he had written down was sergio salas as well as dad opera singer question mark so he did he worked with the arizona opera for years and i have a brief youtube clip yeah steve isabel's father is actually a member of that choir you mentioned and has been for more than a decade now they're singing here behind me tonight to raise money for him and his family in the hopes of bringing little isabel home safe and sound Roughly an hour of music. For the past 12 years, Jackie Huber sang in the Arizona Opera Chorus with Sergio Celis, father of missing six-year-old Isabel Celis. A wonderful, wonderful human being, very warm, a beautiful family. Um, they're just, they're wonderful people. Over the past nine days, Jackie and other members of the chorus have watched the developments from Tucson in sheer disbelief that their friend's daughter could simply vanish. It's really devastating. I think no one can even imagine. I don't think you can... Put yourself in their shoes. Isabel's disappearance hits especially close to home for Jackie, a parent herself. I cannot imagine this happening to one of my children. So the chorus planned a benefit concert called Voices of Hope. All the proceeds raised from the performance at the Chaparral Christian Church in Scottsdale will benefit Sergio and his family. I think the weight of the whole week, the last eight or nine days, I think all of that will be on all of our minds. So that was 64th and Shea, wherever that church or... Yeah, Phoenix, which is strange to me. Well, they're, bring, they're trying to probably bring more news media coverage. So it... Because at first State I was wide. like, shit, I thought it was Tucson. Yeah. But yeah, State they're going wide. to the Capitol. Yeah. That and makes sense. they... What I did find after the fact is that they... I think in the in part one, I had said um, this search went uh, international. And it did because they have... You know, the Salas family had extended family in uh, Mexico. So they brought that search down into Mexico and were looking for her there, thinking maybe she was trafficked across the border, things like that, which is not super uncommon, unfortunately. Well, and what I had just said was like, oh, they're trying to get extra media coverage and more people, which all might be true. And also maybe this choir was based out of Scottsdale. Yeah, I think it was. So that's yeah. probably the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, another question you had is the previous CPS investigation into um, Sergio. And yeah, I couldn't remember if you said more about that 
in the episode that we recorded. I had said, I think I had only said that, um, you know, he had argue, he has two sons uh, yep. that are older than Isabel or were older than Isabel. And he had had previous to her disappearance, an argument with them. Both of them had been involved and he had pushed one and, and slapped or punched the other. And the boys had gone to school the next day. were telling their, um, their, fr- their friend that and, the, and a mom overheard and called CPS, CPS investigated. And it was a whole thing. So I found this website called web sleuths that it's actually really interesting. It's like a group of, it's like Reddit, but for, um, like, true crime junkies kind of where people just like have conversations threads where they're talking talking so and saying what they found on the internet or here or there yeah yeah um so i found one thread that was talking about this about the cps investigation into sergio salas and saying that um cps can make Parents attend numerous classes and complete psychological exams before allowing the removed parent to reunite with the child removed from their custody because apparently they removed Sergio from the home for a period of time. Um, And this, and then this was kind of flash forward to after Isabel disappeared. So this is, you know, several years after the CPS kind of investigation, which apparently went nowhere. They didn't really find anything. But it seems to have gone a little somewhere. And I'm not saying it was what it should have been. I have no idea. I don't know the details. But they took the kids from the home and placed them. They changed placement of the kids. So that's a lot of times CPS, which I think I said is now DCS. Right. You did. um, Oftentimes, you know, they're backed up. They're underfunded to a lot of these CPS, DCS reports go in and they never even investigate them. Fall by the way. So the fact that they remove the kids, I don't know what it tells me. It just says they did something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And so after um, Isabel, the biggest thing, I think that after Isabel was, she disappeared three weeks after that, apparently they, they then also asked Sergio to, and I think I said this in the, in the episode, they asked him to remove himself from the home and separate from the boys because they felt that the previous CPS report and issues that he had had with them could impact their testimony. And he didn't want them to influence what they would say about her disappearance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I had written that kind of on my lookup list, Scribble Scrabble, and I wasn't sure if that was connected to the CPS, DCS thing or something else. But yeah, that makes sense. So um, apparently, I also found this on the web sleuths, uh, and this is a direct quote. It says, there are no news articles stating that there is a CPS safety plan at the Salas home in effect before Isabel disappeared. There are new articles stating that CPS had been involved in an investigation at the Sells home months before Isabel disappeared. CPS and the Tucson police refused to provide details on the earlier CPS investigation at the Sells home. So it's kind of very much under wraps. I mean, it's, it's hard. It was hard to find any information regarding it. Well, but so and again, something there. This is just the, not just, but this is the internet, so it could be true, false, totally. or something in between, Absolutely. or yeah, best guess. But when they said there, they found there wasn't a safety plan in place, to me that means, okay, so there had been this CPS report and investigation, and part of that natural process is making a safety plan right. for those kids and any other kids that are in the home or could come to be in the home. Right. And yet 
those kids were taken out. So there was some sort of thing going on. And then months later, she went missing. missing, And there was no um, evidence of any kind of safety plan. Also, I wonder what that safety plan would look like. But so... The uh, one of the next questions you asked, this was really interesting to learn about because you know I'm a big fan of CSI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually watched like three CSIs this morning at like 3 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. Hmm. Um, so you had asked about the forensic examination of the home and what does this entail? I have a lot of information, so I'm going to try to be um, concise about it. But um, so basically. The goal of any crime scene search is to properly document, collect, and analyze all items of phys- physical evidence within a targeted area. Um, Was and, the targeted area the whole home? Yeah, because that's where she disappeared from. Right. So, um, so it wasn't just her room. Right. So, basically, the the this and this article that I found several said that like that's critical in a child abduction is is processing the scene and um there's you know a myriad of situations that can occur so it's really important to to carefully and quickly process things because they brought in the fbi to process the scene i want to say like the next day i know it was within three days certainly um so basically these were the steps that are done. These are the steps that are done when there's a child abduction. And and this may apply to more than just a child abduction, but this the, applies to a forensic <clears throat> investigation. Yeah. So they document all major events, times, and movements relating to the crime that occurred. Um, they document a narrative of the general appearance of the crime scene as it is initially observed right when they walk on the scene. A photographic log documenting every single aspect of every part of the house, um, a crime scene diagram, which is a documentation of the location of each item of recovered physical evidence. So from her bedroom, I'm assuming like sheets, bedding, things like that. Um, the pushed out screen. Yeah, exactly. Um, something called an evidence recovery log, which is documentation of the recognition collection and initialing and dating and packaging of each item so that's kind of it just kind of sounds like uh, logging things yeah like when they take it and put it in those plastic baggies perhaps and then whoever did it has to sign off on it because if there's any wonky business about that piece of evidence they can look back to who put it in the thing right yeah and then a latent print lift log so documentation of the latent prints located in seas at the scene and then in the victim's room, they process for physical evidence to include fingerprints, fibers, forensic type evidence, and weapons. They attempt to obtain samples of the victim's hair from hairbrushes, hooded clothing, hats, pillowcases. They attempt to obtain unwashed clothing of the bi- victim for possible forensic evidence. Um, they, if if they can't get fingerprints of the victim, because like Isabel was six, her fingerprints aren't in the system. They're going to attempt to get fingerprints from things that she may have handled in the home just so they have her fingerprints on hand and then also obtain 
elimination fingerprints of anyone known to have access to that area. Any so other significant prints? Every, you know, the brothers, the yeah. mom, the dad, the cousins, the, anyone who may have been in there, they have to get fingerprints from all of them so they can then eliminate them as someone who might have been involved. What if they find random fingerprints? Like, what if they're dusting for prints? Well, that's exactly it. That's why I and think... And then they run those prints or something. So if they are dusting for prints in the room and they find random fingerprints that don't match up to any of the elimination fingerprints right. members, then that's an issue. And then they also try to obtain an item containing an odor of the victim to serve as the canine's scent material. And they did bring canines onto the scene, um, you know, several days after. So there was actually like way, I mean, this, it goes into way more detail, but that was the basic Well, overview. also, I mean, I think that's a good overview and that <clears throat> kind of satiates my initial mm -hmm. interest in it or like, questions around I it love and that also satiates. i think we will come across many more episodes where yeah. a forensic investigation occurs and we can go on a deeper dive because also you just said the canine thing and um we should probably do a bonus episode about the canine thing the canine oh my thing gosh, it's so intriguing yeah it's really there's a lot of i've heard just, a lot. I, I haven't <clears throat> looked into it but i've heard on the different podcasts and shows i've watched a lot of Back and forth and up and down of like the um, effectiveness versus mm -hmm. the non-effectiveness. That's not I'm a sure. word, but of canines. Yeah. Yeah. You asked, and I'm only, I usually, the questions that you ask that I can't find answers to, I usually just leave out. But I'm going to say that you asked, did we ever find out why Sergio stated that his daughter was abducted right away on the 911 call? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we did not. I could not find out. There was no nothing that there was a lot of speculation about it, but we never did find out why he chose to say that. And and I just I don't know, I just feel like it's important I wanted to point it out. I think it is. It's a highlight or my ears perked up, right? And that's because it. It, could be it him. just it perked just, up. It's, it was it's interesting. Questionable, yeah. yeah. And so um, one of the last, the, actually the last question you asked was, is there anything interesting to know about Rebecca's, who was Isabel's mom's cousin, Justin Mastro Marino? And I did find on this web sleuths, several different people posted things that they uncovered. Basically, the first post that I found said that um, Sergio and Rebecca really tried to lay blame on Justin Mastro Marino. Um because it was concerning. Remember, he he made a public statement about Isabel, and then soon after, he kind of left town, apparently, and he, like, hired ghosted. a lawyer. Yeah, and he refused to talk to anybody. Um, and they were saying, like, he had been convicted of crimes in the past and this and this, but realistically, apparently, he's only been prosecuted for a DUI in 2011, um, so the year before this, and for possessing um, marijuana paraphernalia a decade prior to this. There is nothing violent in his criminal history. He has no assault charges, no rape, no kidnapping, nothing, nothing at all. And he did have something called a null prosecui, which means will no longer prosecute. Um, they will no longer prosecute him. So it was, I think, a dropped charge for possessing or attempting to obtain a controlled substance, and that substance was marijuana. Which I wonder why. I, I'd like that to be on the second secondary lookup list if right. we ever do one. Also, maybe that's because he provided some my 
first guesses or first thought is he provided some information about someone. So they said, okay, based if you give us this, we'll, we'll take away this. this. Maybe that's that might be. But it's interesting that you said he, yeah, he had some priors like the marijuana or the whatever mm-hmm. DUI. I had heard or read or I don't know, wrote it down somewhere, which I already knew this logically, but like a person who has person with bad behavior doesn't mean they're a murderer. Something like that, right? Like it doesn't mean they're a bad person, but also doesn't mean they're a murderer. Okay. So the other thing that I found is that there is no evidence. Remember I said that Justin shipped his Jeep back to Florida to his mom's house. Mm -hmm. Um, That information actually came from a mystical psychic named Kelly Snyder that Isabel's parents hired several days after she went missing because they were just so desperate for any information. And I'm not saying anything about mystical psychics or anything because I think that's all really interesting and cool. And also, yeah, that lets me know that like these people were Were desperate. I'm not going to use the word desperate, but like we're going to put feelers out in any possible venue possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, and this person who made this post said, Look, they released this information to make him, to make Justin Master Marino look guilty because the FBI is a federal agency. If they wanted to search his car, they could have obtained a warrant in any state. It didn't matter. They could have searched his car and found whatever they wanted to. And they may have. That information has not been released. But a lot of people on this thread that I found said that kind of, you know, this was Sergio and Rebecca's attempt to pick to try and like point the finger at someone to deflect from themselves, which we don't know what happened yet. So we're not going to comment on that. Yeah, that one feels a little bit almost like he didn't do it to me. Right. That's why I made that face. Yeah. So the only other thing, you didn't ask this question, but I came across this in this web sleuth that I wanted to share was I found this great timeline, which I really, like when I'm researching these, this is the hardest part because with so many different articles and accounts and YouTubes. And it's really tough to like nail down the exact timeline. And for me, just that really helps me visualize any of these crimes we're talking about to have a timeline. So I just wanted to like briefly run through this timeline that I did find. Is it like an infographic <clears throat> type timeline or is it just a timeline? It's just like a tax uh, timeline, but, okay. it, but I think it, for, for me, it helps a lot. So April 20th, 2012, 11 p.m., Isabel went to bed in her bedroom. The next morning, Isabel's mom left for work before 8 a.m. Around 8 a.m., family members call 911 after they discover that Isabel is not in her bed and they can't find her in the house. April 22nd, 2012, FBI search dogs arrive from Virginia to aid in the search. Do you want to know why it's from Virginia? Because that's where... um, uh, not Langley. Well, the FBI headquarters. Right. And that- I only know that because of that one specific movie, Clarice. Oh, um, Science of the Land. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, go on. April 23rd, the Salas family and 88 Crime, a crime searcher's thing, post a $6,000 reward for any information. Flash forward to May 3rd, a few weeks later, Sergio and Rebecca Sellis appear on NBC's Today Show to talk about their daughter being missing. Oh, we didn't talk about that. We did not. May 7th, they have a benefit concert for Isabel. 
May is that el- the one in uh, Scottsdale? Mm-hmm. Oh. May 11th, Sergio is barred from seeing his sons until further notice. Um, May 14th, the 911 tapes were released of of Isabel and of Rebecca and Sergio's son. And Rebecca took the phone from him and talked to everyone and then Sergio. You know what's sad? Between May 11th and May 14th, somewhere in there, Mother's Day, I bet. Yeah. 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 Um, so they found the 911 tapes are released. And beyond that, we can't get into that yet because that all leaks into part two. So with that, we will say thank you for listening to our bonus episode. And tune in Monday to find out more about what happened with Isabel and to hear about Maribel Gonzalez. And um, I don't know, do you have anything to add? Hug your loved ones. Oh, I like that so much. Hug your loved ones. That's nice. Okay, cool. Hug your loved ones and we will uh, see you soon. Night, night. Bye.